Hello friends, I am Chris Chavez, and welcome back to the City of Smack podcast. This is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share brilliant insights and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments, as well as their experiences within the sport. Today's episode is presented by Tracksmith. Tracksmith is an independent running brand inspired by a deep love of the sport. For years, the brand has elevated running wear using the best in-class materials and timeless silhouettes that perform at the highest levels. Well, now they're doing the same with footwear. The Elliott Runner was developed to meet the rigorous demands of committed runners providing the perfect balance of cushioning and responsiveness with the classic Tracksmith style. The inspiration for the Elliott Runner started with the feeling that many runners experience, the delight in finding a natural surface while out for a run. Logging thousands of miles across New England, the Tracksmith team found those moments on pine needle trails, wood chip paths, and old indoor tracks. That's the sensation that they wanted to bring to the roads. Soft, resilient, responsive, and ready for anything. So step into the Elliott Runner. It's a PBAX power trainer inspired by the pep of New England's natural surfaces. See the Elliott Runner in person at Tracksmith's pop-up locations at the Chicago Marathon and at their Boston store this fall before an exclusive opportunity to pre-order them on October 24th. For more information, visit tracksmith.com slash Sidious. It'll redirect you to all of the information about the Elliott Runner. And when you shop around on Tracksmith's website, use promo code SidiousMag for free shipping and 5% of your sale will go towards the Release Recovery Foundation, a nonprofit supporting those in need of substance abuse and mental illness treatment through scholarships. Before we get into today's episode, I also want to thank all of our backers on Patreon who keep us going strong. With your support, we're able to plan for on-location coverage at races. It helps us with travel costs, helps us with website and podcast expenses, helps us with editing across all the different shows on the Sidious Mag Network. You can see all of our work on YouTube, this podcast feed, Instagram, Twitter, and of course on SidiousMag.com. A big shout out to Lane Weber for signing up within the past week. And if you want to join the club, sign up today at patreon.com slash Mag. We've got people donating anything from a dollar a month, and we even have some people who contribute 20 or 30 bucks a month. And for those of you who are unable to commit to a monthly contribution, you can also make a one-time donation by sending any dollar amount over to Sidious Mag on Venmo. You can consider Venmo like a virtual tip jar. If you chip in, attach any message you want, and we'll shout it out on the next pod. Like, for example, shout out to Nate Valleyman for the contribution and writing in saying that the podcast pushed me through the Chicago Marathon build. Thanks for the content. Go out and give them your all in Chicago, Nate. I hope you have better weather than I did last year. It's a great course. Enjoy the day. Last but not least, I'm grateful for all of you who take a moment to shout out the podcast on your Instagram stories and on Twitter. The athletes and guests also appreciate the love, so tag us and we'll be able to thank you accordingly. And if you haven't already done so, consider leaving a little rating and review on iTunes' Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks, everyone, for your continued support. My guest for this episode is the new American record holder in the Women's Marathon. It's Emily Sisson. She's back on the show. She just ran 2.18.29 to take 43 seconds off the previous American record of 2.19.12 set by Kira D'Amato back in January at the Houston Marathon. The Chicago Marathon was won by Kenya's Ruth Chepengedich in 2.14.18, which is the second fastest time in history. Sisson now owns two American records after she set the half marathon record in 67.11 back in May. 
In this episode, we go inside the making of this American record, how she trusted her coach and her pacers to make it happen, the appetite to go faster, and what exactly is being said in this group chat with U.S. Marathon and greats Kira D'Amato, Dina Castor, and Joan Benoit Samuelson. That's some elite company to be part of. We also take a couple of your listener questions towards the end of the show. So without further ado, here is American record holder Emily Sisson. All right, and now I welcome on Emily Sisson as the new U.S. Women's Marathon record holder. How does that sound? I mean, it's it's been what two days, I think, since since the race. Or have you gotten used to it yet? Um, yeah, yeah, it is sinking in now. It does feel amazing. Um, it, it just it's been such a big goal for so long. I remember back um, in college, Ray said to me once, he's like, "You're." going to set the American record in the marathon someday. And I was like, okay, like, but he said it like a fact. He's like, no, you're going to do it. <laughs> and I was like, well, like, just because someone has the potential to do something doesn't mean like it necessarily will happen. There's so many like variables and factors. And, but he was just like, no, you will set it someday. <laughs> and um, so I'm just like, it feels like, um, like a part of like a long journey, uh, I guess. <laughs> so when Ray first said that to you all, you were, in college, you know, obviously you, it took a while for you to eventually move to the marathon and make your debut. And then even to get to this point, did it ever pop back into your head? Like, Oh, that time you mentioned, I was going to someday set the American record, but at the same time, you're like, I'm still running track. When is this going to happen? And like, there's a level of patience that comes with like seeing this finally be fulfilled. Yeah. I don't think I am pretty good at being like grounded in like the present with like whatever my next race is. That's what I'm focused on. Um, it just been this like, um, thing in the like future. I feel like, uh, like I've always been aware that Ray has said to me, you will be a marathoner someday. And, um, but I kind of like going at my own pace and I don't like, um, like I, like I always move at my own pace. <laughs> and, and I remember when he said that, I was like, well, I'll take my time, like getting to the marathon because there's stuff I want to do on the track first. There's stuff I want to do at shorter distances first. Like I want to, um, like focus on getting the most of myself on the track and like, even like then work up to like half marathon and like work my way up there. Like the present moment, I was always, uh, looking at what I was just about to do, like whatever that race I was getting ready for was. So it finally happened and now you get you're enjoying a little bit of a break also a birthday tomorrow what are the birthday plans I'm flying home to Flagstaff Arizona so that is um my birthday but I'm really excited to be headed home so that's a that's a good gift And I'm actually like very lucky and fortunate and honored I guess that you responded to my text message to make this happen because it seems like your husband has had trouble getting a hold of you because you've been spending a lot of time in this group chat with Kira, Dina, Joni. Can you I guess take us through what that group chat is like? Who started it? What's being shared in there? <laughs> yeah, I think Dina started it. She sent um the the selfie she took at uh the finish line to all of us. And so I, I was responding to a few texts, but I was also responding to the group chat and he, <laughs> yeah, I think that tweet kind of um, took off a bit, but yeah, no, it is really uh, cool talking to them and they've just been so nice. Like they're like incredible women that have left just like such amazing legacies um, uh, in this sport. So uh, like, I'm just like really honored they're texting me. <laughs> so when you cross that finish line, like I know there's just like this, 
tons of excitement that happens and it's sort of like it's a lot to emotionally take in at the same time you find out from your husband the time that you ran kira's right there she immediately kind of you know says you know shares something with you i'd love to know what she said and then after that you're surrounded by these u.s marathoning greats like was there at any point did you sort of like black out i, I there's it, you're lucky that there's a lot of cameras around you that can capture those moments but i feel like it would just be emotional overload for a lot of people I think, um, well, I didn't know what my time was or what my place was when I crossed the finish line. Uh, I, I, I heard maybe, I thought I was just really focused on getting to the finish line, but I heard maybe the, um, the clock wasn't working around that time because I don't like recall seeing it, but maybe I just was like focused on getting there as fast as I could. So I didn't know what I ran. So I like ran into my husband and I was so tired. He says I like ran into his arms, but I don't, I think I just like was tired of standing and he was just like holding me up. Uh, and I was like, what did I run? Um, what pace or what place was that? And uh, like, he was like, you're in 21829. I was like, what, really? Like, I didn't think I was just on that pace. Um, and I saw Ray Tracy and Ray Flynn right away and Kira and just, yeah, it was a lot at once, but it was all like amazing, um, overwhelmed in the best way. What did Ray say, uh, Ray Tracy say? Cause it was, it, I told you so. <laughs> It's funny, like, I think I said this to Carrie Tollison um, the other day, but uh, when I was like getting ready to go to the start line, uh, the last thing Ray Tracy said to me was, I'll see you in two hours and 18 minutes. And I was like, okay, like, sure, whatever. And I just went to the start line and um, I think I was probably like, oh, he's being optimistic. And and then sure enough, it was like, I think I was like, oh, he's great again. <laughs> Because, I mean, I guess that's a part to this whole entire past week was that you kept your cards pretty close to your chest and everyone, I guess, like within the media, Sidious Mag, Runner's World included, was like, will she, won't she? And you just wouldn't give too much of an answer, I guess, sometimes it was just always, you know, I'm going to go for sub 219 and see what happens. And so now that the race is in the books, can you kind of sort of Tell us when was the plan set to attack the record? So it, I was being genuine. I didn't, uh, it wasn't <laughs> an American record um, like attempt. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Um, and I think like, so it's kind of hard to explain. I feel like I am really good at gauging my fitness, um, everything half marathon and down from like based off just like past experience, past workouts before uh, big races. Um, like I know what the indicator workouts are and the marathon, I'm still so new to this event. Like it's still so new to me. And, um, like London, uh, marathon went really well back in 2019, but so many things have changed since then. And even that race, like, I know I didn't, um, like some things didn't go according to plan. And I think my fitness was actually better that day. So I was trying to compare workouts and compare like, um, like where I was at then to now, but I just didn't have a lot of, um, like data to go off of, I guess. So like, I was pretty confident I was in sub two twenty shape. I just didn't know by how much. And, um, Ray Tracy was really confident. Um, and he was like, like, you can get this record. He's like, I'll be shocked if you don't run under two twenty. And I was, I think a little, just more conservative. I was like, I, like, I feel like I get more confidence from experience. And I just lack that in the marathon. So I was like, well, like, two, like under 220 would be amazing. Um, I haven't finished a marathon since April, 2019. So um, I would love to get under that 220 barrier. And um, if I'm close to the record, I will go for it. Um, but yeah, I think like he, like he just was right. He just knew where my fitness was. And I think like each marathon I'll get better and better at knowing. Um, like where I'm at and what I'm, what I'm capable of, but I felt like I was kind of just taking a, 
a leap of faith. <laughs> like, um, usually I like looking at workouts and looking at, um, like, like I always kind of know like where I'm at, um, going into any race and that gives me confidence. Um, but this time I was like, I don't know, <laughs> like, I guess I'm just going to find out. Because yeah, uh, when we solicited questions on Instagram and even in uh, the, like the Sidious Mac group chat that we have, the number one was, was what was the workout that gave you the confidence to think that you could do this? Was there anything that really stood out to you? What stood out to me was that I was able to get like a really good buildup in with no, um, with like no hiccups at all, like no injuries, no illness, nothing. And, um, so that gave me confidence and I knew I was fit. I just didn't know what that meant. Um, and I was looking at times from like workouts before London and like my workouts before this race, and they actually weren't like, they were faster, but not like significantly faster. Um, but I knew like I was training in like hot, humid New England, uh, for this one. And, uh, for London, it was like winter in Arizona, which is like the perfect time to train there. And, uh, and I know I'm a different athlete now than I was then. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to have to like go with what Ray says. And that's probably why he told me not to look at my watch. Cause I think he knew he's like, I just want you to focus on how you feel and not what your pace is. And, um, so I actually the only split I saw the whole race was the half marathon, uh, split, but I like really didn't know what my like mile splits were. I didn't know any other splits. So I wasn't aware of how fast we were running. And that was probably the best advice he gave was just don't look at your watch. When you say that you're a different athlete than you were from, you know, that London marathon, or even from like the Olympic trials, what really stands out to you as like the biggest difference? I'm just stronger. I feel stronger. Um, every longer run I did this buildup, I felt like pretty good after like before London, all the long runs really beat me up. Like the next day I'd be just like kind of hobbling around a bit, <laughs> just, just like really tight and sore and stiff. Um, but like, I just feel like I absorbed all the, the mileage better. Um, I felt feel like I have more experience now. Um, and I also felt like this whole buildup, I'm like, I, I know I put in good work, but I, I didn't feel like I was like redlining it the whole buildup. Whereas the last um, two marathon buildups I did, I felt like I couldn't have done like a single mile more because I was just so close to that edge the whole time. Whereas this one, I was like, no, I actually feel like I hand my body handled the work well. Um, and I, if I wanted to, I could have done a bit more, um, but maybe that necessarily isn't a good thing to more isn't always better. So we've already been pretty quick to credit coach Ray Tracy on some of just like the resume of success that he's had with coaching marathoners. Now you're the shining example, but you know, with Molly and with Kim Smith before you in this, these last three years, when he's sort of guiding you through this process, what is at the heart of Ray's marathon training philosophy that might be a little bit different from all of the years that you work with him on the track? Um, it actually, our training doesn't change that much between, um, like half marathon and 10 K training and marathon training. I just do more mileage and like, everything's just a little bit longer, but my workouts actually don't slow down a lot. I, I do less faster stuff. Um, and I think like the fastest stuff I did this build up was, um, like 1200 meter repeats or 800 meter repeats. Uh, but it's really not that different. We just do like 110 to 115 miles a week. And we slow things down a little bit, but not like not much. Like I felt like I remember after one workout, I was doing mile repeats. And I, I think I was averaging a little under like 455 pace for them. He was like, it would only take you about a month probably to like pivot from marathon training back to 10K training. Um, because we just don't lose touch with that speed. Like we add mileage, but we um we don't also like like lose uh 
all the speed necessarily. So this time around, you spent a lot of the training up in New England versus, I guess, being out in in Flagstaff. Did you prefer that? And I guess the reasoning behind it, I guess, at first was because of coming off of COVID and, you know, I guess being at altitude, it, things didn't really mesh all that well. Was that is that right? That's what I think happened. I was like a little in denial at first, I think, about how much COVID affected me because uh, I just don't want the next time I get it to be sidelined or to just to feel um, that uh, that tired <laughs> for so long. It, t- it took probably three to four months uh, until I felt like um, I was feeling myself again and my heart dropped and some other symptoms I had went away. Uh, but yeah, I do think because, um, and I could be wrong, but I do think because we just moved to altitude, it was still something I hadn't fully adapted to. And living up there, it's just more stress on the body. And then when you get sick and especially COVID, um, I just think my body was having a little bit harder of a time, um, just recovering. And every time I dropped down a sea level, uh, like the symptoms would go away, like they really like ease off. And, um, after like a month of being in Rhode Island, uh, like I, yeah, I just feeling a lot, like everything went away at the same time, like one month, like the three things I was still kind of dealing with, they all went away. And I was like, yeah, that's probably COVID. I, I guess that kind of answers a little bit of what I was going to wonder next, which was, was training for the half marathon American record attempt harder or easier than, uh, or which one was harder or this marathon build, but because I guess COVID was so close to that half marathon, it must've been that. Yeah. The month leading into the half marathon was like, that was tough. Um, we had to drop down a seal to do that. I think I got COVID five weeks before we ran that. And, uh, the three weeks after COVID, I couldn't work out. I kept trying, but I, I just couldn't. And then we dropped down to sea level for the last two weeks. And I was able to get like, I think four workouts in. And I, I knew I lost, like, I knew I wasn't in the same shape I was pre COVID, but I was really confident. Um, because like I said earlier, I, I have a good idea where my fitness is at. Um, I knew pre COVID, I was like, I am pretty confident. I'm like, I, I thought I was in 66, 30 shape. So I was like, if I got COVID and I'm a little, um, not quite as fit, I still think I can sneak under the record if things go well. Uh, it just, it might be a little harder and it was really hard, <laughs> but I luckily had two really good pacers that day. Brian Harvey was like encouraging me the last like mile or two, because I was struggling. I was, I don't think I've ever struggled so much in a race. Um, but that was, uh, I'd say that was harder just because of, um, where we were coming from right before it. So Brian was, was there for that record attempt. Was he very quick to sign up and say, all right, let's do the, the, the full. Uh, I think it actually did come up after the race. I think I kind of just like threw it out there, like the feelers out there. I was like, uh, like, I can't remember what I said to him, but I was like, let me know if you ever want to uh, pace a marathon or something. And he's like, yeah, I'd be interested in that. And then we reached out to him and, um, and Johnny Miller was my other pacer and they did a great job. They, uh, yeah, I owe them that they were amazing. Did Shane not want to? volunteer to pace like i think kyle submitted that question in our group chat what could shane run for a marathon right now <laughs> shane wears so many hats i don't think he could possibly fit one more on his head <laughs> i think if he tried to pace my marathon uh yeah no i think that would just no i don't think that would work <laughs> he's so busy with everything else um that he does and he does so much to help and um support uh support me it, it is like we work together um and yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know if he could, he could do that with uh, everything else he has on his plate. 
we had this stat that blew up on Twitter that the seven fastest U.S. women's half marathons of 2022, your American record, obviously at the top, 67.11, but then your the second half of your race this time around where you split 69.03 would be the fifth fastest, and your first half would be the seventh fastest of the oh, year. So it seems like even with the, the half marathon, you've got a lot more, I guess, possibly to you know try and take that time down. Yeah, I'd like to. I, I think that'd be a fun goal to go after. Um, I'd like to make the I'd like to lower the half marathon record. I wouldn't be surprised if someone else lowers it first. I just think there's so many people capable of running uh, like low 67 uh, sub 67 minutes in the half. Uh, so but I still want to do it myself, too. So I think that'd be a fun one next. And um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my next marathon will be. I don't know if I'll try to go for a fast time again or if I'll try to do something else, but, um, we'll probably end up working backwards from the Olympic trials and, uh, figure things out from there. Do you, uh, are you like, have you sworn off the track totally like, uh, you know, racing next year and trying to make a world team in the 10 K there? Not, uh, I don't know if I'll try to make a team again. Um, I haven't sworn off it completely. Cause I think it is important for me to do faster stuff in training, which faster to me means like 1200s and like 72 73 seconds or something but um per 400 but uh, i don't know if i'll do a season again i think mm -hmm. the track seasons it's like clockwork to me the end of every track season my body's just beat up and i just need a break and if i want to focus on the marathon i don't think i have um i just don't want to spend that time anymore after a track season recovering um dealing with an injury that needs uh needs rest and then like losing that fall marathon or even affecting my spring build so uh, I might like hop on for like a race or two, maybe, maybe I do a USA's, um, or do like a 10 K in, in the middle of a marathon buildup, but I don't think I'll do a full season anymore, but you never know. I could change my mind. <laughs> yeah. You've got a lot of us women's 10 K runners on the edge of their seat with that answer. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I won't say anything for sure, but that's what I'm in my gut. I feel like that's what I'll probably do. This show is presented by Velis Recovery Footwear. Velis is an active recovery footwear brand designed to help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. After two years in development, this team has created the world's most comfortable, supportive, and lightweight active recovery shoe in the world. We talk a lot about high performance and training on the Sidious Mag podcast, but I want to take a second and tell you about something equally important to performing your best, and that's recovery. This is something that I've learned over the years, and I can't stress it enough. Take the time to recover properly. One recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet take a beating, whether you're training or you're racing. And a new brand that Kyle and I have discovered over the last couple months is Velis Active Recovery Footwear. This brand was started by three athletic footwear industry veterans that really know what they're doing. They created what they call Tri-Motion Underfoot Technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all of the right spots and is engineered to let your feet heal faster and better. Plus, these shoes are so lightweight. I've been wearing them for a while now and absolutely love them. I rock them to and from a track workout. Kyle puts them on after races. Velis Actory Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform at your best. So check out Velis Footwear at velisfootwear.com. That's V-E-L-O-U-S footwear.com. Grab a pair today and get 20% off with discount code SIDIUSMAG20. Use capital C and capital M in that discount code, SIDIUSMAG20 at checkout. Now you can experience what recovery footwear should feel like. 
Sidious Mag Podcast is also presented by Final Surge. No matter if you're an athlete or a coach, Final Surge helps plan and attain both short and long-term training success. Their free online training log is compatible with Garmin, Strava, Polar, Stride, Koros, and a slew of other apps and devices. If you're a coach, Final Surge makes planning and analyzing workouts super simple and helps streamline that communication between you and your athletes. Some of the top coaches in the world who have been guests on this show use it on a daily basis. If you're an athlete out there hammering out miles and tempo runs solo with no guidance or direction, Final Surge is also here to offer up some world-class training programs. Get yourself a training plan for that fall 10K or that half marathon or that full that's on your calendar. They've got plans from NAZ Elite. You can hit some classics with Greg McMillan or Boston Marathon champion Amby Burfoot who are on there as coaches. If you're a fan of the sport and are curious how the pros are training, Stephanie Bruce and the rest of the NAZ Elite squad share all of their training logs on Final Surge. This is your chance to look at Stephanie Bruce's preparation for her Grit Tour finale at the New York City Marathon. Give it all a look at finalsurge.com and use code Sidious for 10% off plans and coaching subscriptions. I can't recommend it enough. Finalsurge.com, code Sidious for 10% off. Back to the show we go. All right, let's let's unpack the race. We didn't get to see you on TV uh, too much, which is kind of really unfortunate. So what was your first reaction when you see Ruth Chip and Gedich just take off and running with Pat Tiernan for, for the first two miles, basically? Yeah, she took off along with a few other women. And I watched the race last year, and I remember she took off and went really fast. And uh, she did a big positive split last year, too, but she actually like didn't like... I don't know. She, like, she still holds it together. Like she, yeah, she didn't die as hard this time around. Yeah. Uh, no, she didn't. It wasn't humid this year, but I'm like, even when she goes out really fast, like she's still like, it's still hard to beat her. So she's like, just, um, she's an incredible athlete. And, uh, so, uh, like I knew she went out fast and I'm like, I think a lot of the other women will come back going out with her. Like, I don't know, like she, she probably have to have a pretty bad day. Like something would have to happen, um, for her to come back. But, uh, but I was kind of just focused on my race. I was like, all right, I'll just keep running, um, with my pacers. And then I'm sure we'll catch up to people and be able to pick people off. And, uh, sure enough, that's what we did. I just didn't know when we got to the group that came back to us, how many people were still ahead. Yeah. Because I think when you mentioned before that, when you crossed the finish line, I had no idea like what time, uh, you had run or really, I guess like what place, like there was always the off chance that like she was going to die and uh, hard and like, you know, get, drop have to drop out and then you would have had to you you would have won so i guess like that question in the in your in the was probably at the top of your head like what place am i in because of how many people might be ahead of me i i knew i wasn't uh i knew i wasn't winning so you're winning there'd be like be, <laughs> oh, win again. oh that's right yeah, yeah 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 so i knew that but i just i actually i didn't know i was in second i just didn't know how many uh people were ahead of me i did think i had a shot at the podium um uh, like top three but I just I didn't know I was like am I like third right now my fourth like I had no clue and Johnny uh Mellor kept asking people that came back to us like a lot of men that would come back that we were like catching up to he's like how many women are ahead like how close is the next one and no one was responding to him and he kept trying and uh and I was like that would have been really good feedback but I mean it wouldn't have mattered but uh but yeah he kept trying to find out like where we were because I don't I don't think he knew either so basically your, your splits were 69, 26 for the first half, 69 or three for the second half. And it's from the sound of it, you never looked down at your watch. Was it just sort of trust these pacers that have been instructed by Ray 
and shut the brain off and go? Or what was what's going through your head, I guess, to just kind of run it perfectly? Uh, well, a lot of that is due to my pacers doing an incredible job um, with uh, with their job. So uh, I was instructed not to look at my watch and I did look at it, but I was looking at it um, for distance, not pace. I looked at it to see uh, where, like how close we were to the next uh, like bottle table because my eyesight's not the best. And especially when I'm racing, I often like can miss like the signs that say like um, bottles 50 meters ahead. So I was, I was looking to see every um, like 5k, like how close we were getting to the next one, but I, I didn't look at the pace. And then actually, I think like 10 miles into the race, I accidentally like hit something on my watch and it just turned off completely. So I didn't, I didn't know what, um, yeah, I really didn't know what pace we were running apart from that halfway I saw that we went through. Yeah. In this, in what you said, uh, but no, I didn't. Um, I was just like, I'll trust them. I, I vaguely knew the pace that we were going out at, at the pacer meeting we had the day before, uh, we all met, but I was like a little late, uh, to the meeting. It was me, um, Johnny, Brian and Ray and Ray's like, Oh, we talked, we figured it out. And he like told me like what my splits should be for like five miles, 10 miles and like 20. And I wrote them down, but I didn't know exactly what they meant. And, uh, I was like, I think that's like, uh, that's probably like sub 220 pace, like low 219 pace, but I didn't like know exactly what any of those numbers meant. And, um, and so I kind of just like threw numbers out the window and just went off my pacers the whole time. So from some of the questions that we got on Instagram, uh, Ben Turbull asked such a strong finish. Was there more left in the tank there at the end? Cause it, you're like, what was it? Your fastest 5k of the race was 1619 from 35k to 40k. And your final 10k split was 3240. So that track speed came out at the end. Yeah, it did. And I do I have found like the past like year or two, even when I am tired, I can still kick. But I, I do think, um, yeah, I do think there was a little bit. And I was working because I just didn't know what my time was or how close I was to uh, the record. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do think like, I'm like, I think maybe I can go a little bit faster. <laughs> so, so maybe someday I'll, I'll try to run a little faster. The City of Smack podcast is also supported by Garmin. They dropped a whole new line of watches this summer with six amazing versions of the Forerunner. I rock the Forerunner 955 Solar. It's got a touchscreen and a solar-powered watch face so that you can get some extra juice when you're out for a long run in the sun. It collects a ton of data outside of the hour or two or three that you're out for a run because it takes into account your sleep recovery time, HRV, and stress to give you a training readiness score every day so you know how you just might feel before your next workout and ways so that you can improve that score so you can crush it. It's got incredible battery life that lasts for days. You will get the most out of your training and take things to the next level with the Forerunner 955 or 955 Solar. I've been wearing it for three months now and I'm still discovering new features and apps. My favorite feature is the morning report, which gives you an overview of the previous day, how you slept, what's the weather, what meetings do you have coming up, what workout is on tap. You can customize all of the information that's delivered to your watch each morning. It always ends with a nice note like, go crush it today, which is just what you need to get going. Visit Garmin.com for more information on the Forerunner 955 and the Forerunner 255 series that Runner's World says is more accurate than ever. Visit Garmin.com today. The City of Smack podcast is also brought to you by Article One. Article One is an independent eyewear brand on a mission to create athletic sunglasses that transcend sport. 
As runners, the designers behind Article 1 had never found a pair of technical sunglasses that matched their style. So they went out and made their own. Designed with your entire day in mind, Article 1 takes you from a long run in the morning to drinks on the patio in the evening. I saw US World Championship marathoner Emma Bates rocking a pair as she trains for the New York City Marathon. I've been wearing them in my return to running, but I also just rock these walking around New York City. They don't look like your typical running sunglasses that you wear while you're just on the track or on the roads. They're for any social occasion as well. Just recently, they launched their new evolution of active frames. So they've got the Clifford, the H, Baron, Emmeline, and Moon. Check them out for yourself. They've got the look of the type of sunglasses that you pick up in a store in Soho, but that you can wear to your next PR. Article 1 is offering 20% off to Sidious Mag listeners with code Sidious at checkout. So go to article1eyewear.com and enter Sidious at checkout to save 20%. That's article1oneeyewear.com, code Sidious. A lot of people also ask about the shoes. What were uh, the choice of New Balance here and how long have you been wearing them? Uh, I wore the Fuel Cell Supercom Pacer um, with the Fuel Cell Foam, and I wore um, I wore them for the 20K, so this is only my second race in them. Someone else was wondering, what was the fueling strategy throughout the race? Um, I switched off between mix and gels uh, throughout the whole race, and I fueled... The, actually, this was one of the things that I was probably a little bit the most nervous about because... Uh, like I feel like it can be hit or miss with marathons, uh, like fueling. I, I hear, um, I just heard so many stories, uh, about like getting cramps or, um, not fueling enough or feeling like feeling too much, I guess. I don't know. Um, so before the race, I like tried to make sure I was, um, getting a mix of water, having some, I had some coffee and, um, some, you can, um, energy. And then after I made sure I had some protein, like right away. That also leads me to what was the celebration meal after breaking the American record? Uh, I had a burger and uh, a burger and a glass of wine uh, with my family, which normally wouldn't have those two together, but I just, uh, I just wanted it. <laughs> Another question that was submitted on Instagram was, uh, what precautions did you take this time around to minimize any injuries during the training cycle? Cause I guess for some people remember you were supposed to run Boston, was it? And then had to withdraw. Uh, no, it was New York city, uh, New York city marathon, but I withdrew that was the knee injury I had after, um, the Olympics. So to stay healthy, <laughs> I think one of the things that helped me stay healthy was actually coming um, into the marathon buildup, I had to really emphasize recovery because, uh, I was just like, I think I was explaining earlier, uh, after coming off COVID, I was like feeling almost like symptoms of like overtraining. So I really focused, um, the two weeks before we started the build on just like rest, like diet, um, like all like as much like recovery and like minimizing stress in my life as I could, because it felt like a bit of a tight turnaround to try to, um, recover and get my body the rest it was asking for over the summer, but then jump into a marathon buildup. And I noticed when I was focusing so much on rest that I actually felt a lot like better in training. Um, I always thought I was good at resting, but when it became my like main focus, I like really dialed in on it even more. And, um, and I do wonder if maybe that actually played a pretty significant role in uh, staying injury free, like really um making the priority be like eating um as soon as a workout's done it doesn't matter if it's exactly what i want to eat or not i just need to get food into me um like prioritizing like napping every single day um getting nine hours of sleep um 
and it's kind of instead of um, like having other things maybe take priority, sometimes I'd even like just cancel um, like or reschedule an appointment I had with like a physical therapist therapist because I'm like, I'm actually too tired today. I'm just going to rest instead. I think that'll be better for my body than um, like going in and uh, getting treatment today when I don't feel like I actually need as much. Like, so it was, uh, I think focusing on rest really did help, um, did help me stay healthy. And then also I work with John Ball, who's my chiropractor in Phoenix. And if I did have anything come up, he was um, really helpful in uh, like telling me what I might need to do, like um, strength wise or, um, or like what I need uh, to kind of help uh, manage getting through uh, the marathon buildup. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Final questions for me. You know how high the hopes were the last time for the marathon trials and they're actually not that far away except we don't know where they're going to be yet because of USATF hasn't announced it yet. So what is it that you think you need to do between now and then to really put yourself in a position to possibly make the team? Well, it would help to know what the course looks like uh, this time. Uh, I've heard they've narrowed it down to two different places. So I'm hoping we hear like relatively soon, Uh, but I, I don't know. I'll have to talk to Ray because it will depend on where it's at and um, what the course looks like. I think uh, Atlanta didn't go uh, didn't didn't go my way that day, but I, I don't think I really only need to run flat marathons. I could be wrong, but like if it is somewhat hilly, like I would like to change my training um, to prepare better for that. But um, something Ray did tell me once was that he thinks I can handle courses with hills. I just need stretches of flat like road to recover from in between them uh so i think a lot of my training will depend on what the course looks like and um maybe we'll play around a bit with altitude and see how that affects marathon training for a spring marathon this year uh, this upcoming year like in the fall so i might tweak around like adding an altitude and um, maybe adding in some hills if uh, it ends up being a hilly course again but uh yeah i think it depends i guess on what uh what's chosen the track trials performance last year was so good. You've got the American record in the marathon and the half marathon. Where does Chicago rank among all of your favorite career achievements? Um, I'd say it ranks up there with, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was really amazing. It's up there with like um, the US, I think, uh, Olympic trials, like on the track. That was a really special moment. So I think those are my top two. Kyle wrote on Twitter, thinking about how Emily Sisson ran 1548 to set the high school 5K record 12 years ago and how brilliant of a career move it was transferring to Providence after a freshman year to be coached by Ray. Do you ever find yourself reflecting on just kind of how well, you know, the last 12 years have really been? Um, I don't think I reflect often, but I, I do like I do remember that actually. Yeah. Uh, when I transferred, like having a conversation with Ray and him telling me, he's like, I think you can have success in this sport long-term, but we'll take a very long, like slow approach. We won't um, like change your training, like significantly overnight. It's going to be just like years and years of work. Uh, And it has been, um, yeah, it's been over a decade working with him. And I, I don't think I reflect often, but I am really glad that like I have such a great support system and support team. I it, it's a small small team, but everyone in it is just like like the best of the best. And kind of my attitude is 
like there's nothing I can do that'll guarantee I achieve any of my goals in the sport. But if I surround myself with the best people, the best um, coach, the best, um, the best like chiropractors, then like it gives me the best shot at my goals. And that's all at the end of the day I can really do. So um, yeah, just give, give myself the best chance. Last thing for me, what's the most exciting thing about being atop the U.S. all-time women's marathoning list and just being a part of, you know, this phase where this record just traded hands in within nine months and it could possibly, you could take it down, someone else could come out and take it down. What excites you about the state of U.S. women's marathoning right now? It is incredible being a part of it. Um, I feel like there's just so many women right now that are just raising the bar. And it is like that saying, iron sharpens iron. So just to be a part of it is just a really cool experience. Um, Yeah, I feel like there's still even more we're going to see unfold over the next, I don't even know, however many years. And just like, it's an honor to be a part of it. So, So yeah, it's an exciting time. Emily, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'll let you get on with more of the post-marathon celebration and your birthday celebration and looking forward to the next time you get to race. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That does it for another episode of the City of Smack podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to contribute and support the show, you can also back us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Mag or send over any tip or one-time donation over to City Mag on Venmo. You guys are all the best. Thanks for listening. Legs are feeling good. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.